Welcome to GleeCast. The twice monthly home of movies about Glee or dancing or singing or something. It's just stuff we want to watch. Just go with it. And casting. Here are your hosts, Emily and Erica. Hello, world. Hello, Erica. Hello, Emily. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to GleeCast version 2.0, season 5.0. Yeah, season 5, episode 4. Indeed, we're here today because Erica picked our watching last time. Erica, what did you pick? I picked Emily's favorite movie, Rent. Favorite movie of all time, folks. All time. Rent. A tattoo of it and everything. Rent, 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 rent. It says no day but today, right right over my, my bum. It's, it's, <laughs> they call it, it's, I believe, what they call a tramp stamp. It's a no day but today tramp stamp. That's a yeah, good one. That's, that's what the kids call it. Yeah, so we're going to talk about both the 2005 uh, film adaptation directed by Christopher Columbus, not the man who discovered um, Columbia, uh, and then we will also discuss, and we can figure out which order makes sense, the, uh, what would you call it? It's the uh, memorial episode? Yeah. Oh, no. oh, wait. Oh, well, well, I was going to yeah. say the other part, rent. <laughs> it's I the... kind of a memorial for rent, too. <laughs> I apologize. I got ahead of myself. It's the um, 2008 final performance of Rent. Yes, which actually has some of the people from the film in it. So it's all very good. And some that just look a lot like the people from the film in it. So it's all very confusing. Um, Now, before that, uh, something else that happened this week. Now, as you guys know, we're we're Glee cast. We used to talk about Glee. We don't really anymore. Um, This week, however, we're kind of both current with Glee. And um, it's... uh, so this week, Glee aired the episode that everybody was dreading, I guess you'd say, um, the quarterback. Yeah. I Just one caveat. I'm not actually current. I watched the first episode and the third episode. Okay. Um, I thought the second episode was actually an improvement. On, I really didn't like the first episode. I thought the second episode, which was an Ian Brennan episode, um, wasn't great, but just had a better flow to it, was a little funnier, like felt a little bit like um, old Glee and not like chaos Glee. Um, and then, but I wasn't thrilled, but I was like, okay, this is promising. I can, if they keep going in this direction, I can see what they do. Um, but I mean, this episode, the quarter pack was very different from anything and everybody knew it would be. This one was directed by Brad Chalk, Brad Falchuk and written by the three, written by Ian Brennan, Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk. Um, now I watched it yesterday. You had kind of texted me about it when you watched it. I think we have very different opinions on it. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm very much still in the camp I was in at the end of last season. I think it was kind of a disaster. I think they made very odd choices that really kind of, I don't, I don't know. I think they, I think they didn't understand the tone they wanted to present. Mm. And I think they made weird character choices. Okay. Like, I think some characters had weird responses to his death and I hate that. Like what characters? Like Santana, I think she was a little over the top. <laughs> like this is someone I, that she made fun of for so yeah. long. Yeah, but I mean, in a way, that's almost when that's almost believable to if I bullied this person essentially, and then this person died, um, I would feel almost worse than if it was just somebody I kind of knew. So I don't know. I bought it, and I feel like what happened was they were might have been like because they really couldn't give a lot of this episode to Rachel for, I think, very personal reasons. Yeah. I think they ended up using Santana in a way as that, um, like, to kind of say some of the things that maybe they would have wanted the Rachel character to. But you know who would have been a better choice? Who? His brother. 
Yeah. Who yeah. did almost nothing this episode? I, I would agree. I was surprised they didn't do more of it for, for Kurt. I thought, I actually really liked how they handled it with Puck. Um, I, yeah, Puck was fine. I didn't have a problem with his storyline. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of hated that they, cause now I think in terms of tone, I, I was annoyed, like, because the episode, they still tried to sneak in a few, like, jokes. jokes. Here and there it was okay. Like, oddly enough, the Sue stuff didn't bother me that much because I oh, felt God. like it really was very, like, defensive. But, like, the Tina stuff, like, okay, you know what? Um, let's lighten the episode up by talking about how much Tina is awful again. Like, found, that's what annoyed me. I found both the Sue stuff and the Tina stuff incredibly offensive. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even, like that hardcore fan anymore. So I don't understand how the hardcore fans didn't find that offensive. I don't know. I mean, with Sue, I feel like it was, you know, like, cause there were some things she was saying that you were kind of like, well, maybe she's right. And some like, she had some, some bits of wisdom that like were kind of what somebody needs to say, which is like, it's not about you. It's, um, you know, like some things like that, I guess. Uh, I still think it, they, because they couldn't go far enough with the tone to make it, um, like they couldn't really make it have her have one liners that were actually funny. Um, but I guess they didn't want to just not wimp out and just kind of take away any of the snark. I think they just should have taken away the snark and just yeah. had it in a very, I when you look at the stuff with Bird and Carol, which was some of the best television I think Lee's done in a long time. But I mean, that's always the case when you have those two actors on screen. I think that, they, I think I, I would have rather seen that softer Sue that we've seen before that we know exists. Like I would have rather seen her. Yeah. Um, and the Bert and Sue stuff, you know what? I like not absolutely nothing. This episode affected me until like the very end. I think watching Rachel sing, I was affected just because I know, like you could tell that Leah Michelle wasn't actually like you could tell she was lip syncing and that she was yeah. actually upset. When yeah. she was lip syncing because it doesn't reflect in her voice. So like that affected me, but the whole Burt Kirk Carol scene, nothing. Really? Nothing. Wow. That's shocking. I was just like, oh, I had cleaning his room. Like, I had a lot of crying days this week. Like I think it's just, you know, it, it happens sometimes <laughs> with ladies. And even when we get to rent, which I have so many issues oh, with rent, and yet yeah. I was, I teared up watching rent. And the same thing happened with me yesterday. I had this on and I was like, uh, quite a couple times, even when I'm like, this isn't, they're not handling this perfectly. Um, but like, I mean, the Burt Kurt stuff tore me up. The anytime, um, and again, this is very similar to how they handle it in the rent film. Whenever they had a character kind of before they would sing, they would like talk a little bit about what, what Finn meant to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really got me because it, it did feel like this is based on the four years of Glee that I've been watching. And like, I believe Mercedes has this to say about Finn and Artie has this to say about Finn. And so I, I don't know. I found it very, very touching. I don't know. That didn't, it didn't get me. Not at all. Stone cold heart. (laughs) But I'm not because I've seen like. Lady stone heart. To to start bridging the gap. I've seen Rent probably like, I mean, I've seen it live on Broadway, probably nine, ten, even a dozen times. Like this is just what we used to do, which is why I picked this movie. Like in college, we used to, I, I guess we could just start transitioning into rent um so i picked this movie because um i love the stage production like it is Mm -hmm. my favorite i mean i haven't seen that many actual broadway productions but it's my absolute favorite one in college well i mean the first time i saw it i was in high school and we had a school trip to it and we got we were lucky enough to be sitting in one of the it was like a student workshop so it was all high school kids that i saw it with but somehow we got lucky enough to be in the first two rows um 
And, you know, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with the fact that Manly Pope was Roger and Trey Ellett was... Manly was, Pope, everybody from Steve yes. Valley High, the TV, the TV series. <laughs> and Trey Ellett from Absolutely Nothing was Mark, but he was beautiful, and I love them both dearly. But, um, like, they were my Roger and Mark, and mm-hmm. that w- somehow we got in the first two rows, and it was amazing. And there was a question and answer afterwards, and, like, that's it. The entire high school was obsessed with Red. Right, like, right. Our, our show choir performed it for... Um, like we used to go on those music trips to like Bush Gardens where everybody yep. would perform and yep. they our show choir performed like basically the entire show for that they did like and with the staging from the show cuz what one of the I think I was either I think I was a sophomore or a junior but one of the seniors was gay and very openly gay and also named Angel actually and um, oh god he, he had seen it so many times and he basically Obviously. just like he set up all the staging and and it was very spot on to the staging of the show and we were all horrified when we didn't win and we were like those damn no, they don't understand those Bible Belt you conservative Virginians they hate, the <laughs> they hate us because we're from New York they don't understand like we're outraged but um, our our show choir I wasn't in show choir but they did Love You Bohem and it was yeah. awful it was so bad ours was good they had to change a lot of the words right right but they did a good job with it i wasn't in show choir either i was just in the chorus but i i adored our show choir i just wasn't good enough to be in it um and then my point was and then in college we we would just they did a lottery for those who don't know i'm sure you know they would do a lottery where you would go down and you'd get a ticket and then they'd pull tickets and you would get really cheap seats in the first two rows So we would just do that all the time. And then, of course, when we didn't actually win, we'd just walk in and buy $80 tickets (laughs) to sit in the orchestra and watch the show again. Yeah. And they were standing room only. Did you ever win the lottery? Um, Twice, I think, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't think anybody actually did. I always thought it was a myth. No, I think we got got it, like, two two times. But we would always be in, like, the eighth row because those seats, they had seats. And they were, like, Mm -hmm. they were ridiculously expensive. And I was dumb. And in college, so I would just charge the tickets. You had different priorities. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen it a ridiculous amount of times. I've seen the movie multiple times, like not not nearly as many times as I've seen the stage production. And I've seen different people in the stage production. I actually saw Joey Fatone as Mark, which was kind of weird. I did too. Wait, did I? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did it. Oh, no, no, I didn't. No, I know what it was. Um, I remember one day coming home from the city and I had just, I, I hadn't seen anything, but I was on the, like, I guess it would have been the, like, 5 o'clock train on a Saturday mm-hmm. coming back to Long Island, which if you're on that train, it means you're probably on the train with all everybody who went to see a matinee and are coming home. Yep. And there was these, like, two teenage girls behind me who were about 13, 14, who had seen him. It might have been in Little Shop. I can't remember if it was Little Shop or Rent. I saw but, him in Little Shop also. Yeah, but they spent the entire hour 15 train ride talking about him in the show. I don't know how that's possible, because, like... How much more can you say about he was in the show and he was really good? Oh my God. Remember when he made that, that face expression with his face? <laughs> like, no, that was, that was my train ride for an hour. That's why I thought I saw him in it because I can tell you everything about his expressions. Uh, um, but yes, but I saw the show one time. My, my point, <laughs> which was very long winded and roundabout, was that I still cry every time I see the show. Right. There's that one line that we'll get to that Colin sings and you just start bawling. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's not that I'm a cold-hearted bitch. The glee <laughs> just didn't get me. Like, 
I've seen this show so many times and I still cry every time. In fact, I was like complaining to Lisa. I was like, I'm watching Rent for Glee cast and I'm crying. Why am I crying? Like, I know what's going to happen. I don't understand. Like, this well, isn't even a great performance. It's the movie. Like, why am I hysterical? I mean, you have a very deep connection to it because it hit you, it hit you at the right time in life. I guess you were what, like 16 when you first saw it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I didn't see it. I had gotten the soundtrack when I was, it came out in 96, right? So it was probably like 97. I was probably about 15 when I got the soundtrack. And so like, I listened to it a lot. Um, I saw it when I was in college. So it was a few years later. So I never, I didn't, I wanted the relationship with it, but I didn't quite have it because I didn't get to see it early enough. Um, and I think even by the time I saw it, it had been on Broadway for a few years and there were certain things about it. And it wasn't even what we'll get to, which is the whole like hipster subculture and just get a fucking job to pay your rent kind of thing. It was more that by the time I went to see it, it felt really um, uh, artificial, I guess, in a way. Like I think of interviews I've read with um, when I've read interviews about the original Broadway production of Hair and how like they would do it. And half the time, like the cast was high when they went on stage and like, it like it was kind of a like, do you want to sing the song tonight? Okay, you sing the song tonight. Like it was this real like bohemian anything goes kind of production because that's mm-hmm. what the time was. Whereas with Rent, like when I went to see it, it was like, oh yeah, those are the blue spandex pants that I've seen Mimi wear. Yeah. Oh, and these are that's the sweater that Mark has. And also I think because something that has always bothered me about Rent, and I don't understand it at all, is save for a couple of um characters that are very specifically a certain ethnicity like really basically mark has to be jewish um maureen kind of has to be like i guess long island jewish uh mimi Mimi has to be spanish does she though um like she has the line where the spanish babies cry and i guess her last name is marquez so okay mimi should probably be spanish yeah but there's really like there's no reason why benny has to be black why joanne always has to be black why Roger always has to be white, why um, Angel, same thing with Angel. I think Angel probably should be Latino. Um, But Collins, like, Collins could be white. He could be black. Like, there's no, so there's, like, that that they got locked into it. And to me, that's, like, kind of part of the point of how the show, which should have been so, like, open and free, was a, like, became a product so quickly, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's always bothered me. And it's so on display in the movie just because, like it's right in front of you in the movie of like oh and there's the sweater that mark wore that i think you could buy in the gap now kind of thing yeah the costuming now leaves something to be desired like i was watching the stage production and i was like oh yeah with the movie too the movie is very um specifically set in like 1989 and when i first saw the movie i was like oh was the show set in the 80s and i never realized and really, no. the answer is no. Like, the show was kind of just set when it, like, when it was being made, basically. Yeah. It makes sense to set it in the 80s because of kind of, it brings, like, the AIDS, I guess, kind of culture and awareness. It makes it um, a much more, uh, it, I don't know, it just, it makes sense to do that. But as a result, you're watching a period movie that doesn't really know how to, isn't good enough, a good enough movie, I think, to be a period movie. Yeah, I can see that. Do you want to recap it quickly for those who haven't seen it? Oh, yes. Okay, so Rent is the story. If um, It is a very loose adaptation of La, Vib- of La Boheme, the opera. Uh, Rent is if the film version set in 1989, stage version kind of set whenever. 
Um, we are in New York City on the Lower East Side at a time when the Lower East Side did not cost a lot of money to live in. And we are focusing on a group of kind of young, yeah, young, quote unquote. Yeah, quote unquote. Uh, artists. Well, Mimi's 19. We know that. Mimi's 19. Yes. Uh, the rest of them are all, you know, 20, 20 something. We'll say that unless we're in the movie and they're all 40. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if some of them are they're all poor. Uh, they, except for their friend, Benny, who used to be their roommate, who is now their landlord. Um, and Benny is trying to basically evict them so that he can build like a recording studio on their lot, which they are not paying for, mind you. Um, and within that, we have some, we have the character of Roger, who was a former drug addict. Now, uh, he is HIV positive. He meets Mimi, who is HIV positive and is a drug addict. We have Mark, who is a filmmaker who's documenting his friend's lives, um, for his own kind of, to make a movie out of, they have a friend named Collins, who is also HIV positive. Collins falls in love with a street performer named Angel, also HIV positive. Uh, and then we also have the characters of Maureen, Mark's ex-girlfriend, and her girlfriend, Joanne, um, who is sort of the uh, the Marilyn Munster of the group in a way. She is the, the lawyer of them. Yes. Um, so first things first, do you want to talk about the moment I had my glass shattered about about this? Movie um, show? yeah, let's. So the movie was 2000. The uh, musical opened 1996, I think. Um, nine years later, about they finally decided to make a movie, and they had tried to make a movie for years. Spike Lee was attached at one point, but in 2005, they decided to make a movie with most of the original cast members. Erica, when did it all shatter for you? Well, just just the show in general, not the movie specifically. But I think it was around the time the movie came out. Someone finally was like talking about it, and they were like. You do realize that, like, Benny's offering them a really good deal, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And now I watch it, and I'm like, guys, I would kill to have, like, Benny basically wants to knock down the building that they live in and rebuild a state-of-the-art <laughs> um, cyber studio. Digital recording studio, yeah. Which, on, and he'll, on paper, he'll guarantee that they could stay there for free if they just stop mm. Maureen's show. Yeah. So there'll be condos on the top where they can live and they can work in the studio. So they'll be like, in my mind, they're making money, but they're living there for free and they could do their work when they're they're making art. Like, it's not like he's going to open up a McDonald's and their job is going to be like market research. Like, no, like he's opening up a recording studio. Roger's a musician. It will give him a place, you know, as the line says, you want to write songs and produce films, you need, you need somewhere, somewhere to do, do it. it. Uh, we used to th- dream about. Think twice before you poo-poo it. I feel like this is going to quickly turn into us just singing the movie. <laughs> and it's what's really funny about it this time around, watching both the film and the show, was really what I left with was, wow. The movie almost more so, nobody has any idea what to do with Benny. As a character, Benny, like, on paper, he is supposed to be the villain. But except he's, he's, like, he pays for Angel's funeral. He, he helps pays for rehab. Benny in the rehab. Um, and, like, in the show, they pay him back by ratting him out to his wife for having an affair. In the movie, he's just not there for, like, the last half hour. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's really, like, a good guy. And, yeah. And, like, I kind of want to hang out with him. I'm like, also, Benny. Also, takes, so he's yeah. really hot. Well, yeah. Which, um, you know. But Benny could, I, I'm fine with living in a condo that he's <laughs> letting me yeah. work at too. I could walk like, Oh, we're going to, to destroy this structure where like your ex-girlfriend, um, killed herself. Does like, does perform. Yeah. Well, your ex-girlfriend killed herself. Oh, yeah. Your ex-girlfriend does annoying performance art. 
Yeah. Uh, that like homeless people come in and then riot about. Like, yeah, that's you know what? The world's better if we um if we don't have like recording studios. And it's a, it's such a like matter of like, is it age? Is it you? I think getting... a lot of it's age. Maybe because I don't like. I know I write. I'm an artist, except I also have a job and I come home and do my art. And like, that's what you do in this day and age. Like, you know, there are people on the subway who walk on the subway and sing. Well, that's good. You know, sometimes if you're entertaining, I'll give you a buck. Um, But, you know, there's... You should have a day job. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I do. I think it's age. I think it's really easy when I was 16 to be like, yeah, that Benny's a jerk. They just want to live there for free. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like, what was I thinking? I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I, I pay my rent. How are we going to pay last year's rent? This year's rent? Oh, gee. Well, you like, could get a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And their loft is gorgeous in the movie, especially. It's like, yeah, giant in the movie, windows. it's ridiculous. Like, okay, sure. It's a walk up, but I live in a walk up and I pay rent. <laughs> it's, you know. Um, Okay, so so that's I mean that's the biggest problem with the show in general. But regardless, I still love it because I love the music and it's good memories and okay, okay fine, we let that go. Mm-hmm. The movie still has copious amounts of problems. Yeah, besides the fact that they're all forty. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, like the really nice thing about the movie is that they cast mo- and I, supposedly they asked everybody from the original production to come back. Um, the woman who played Joanne didn't because she said she was too old for yeah. it. Uh, and Daphne, there's some controversy about Daphne Rubin Vega, who was the original Mimi, that um, she was pregnant during filming, so like she couldn't do it for that reason. And the character of Mimi is specifically 19. The rest yeah. of them they don't say, but she, Mimi is supposed to be 19. But then there's been like some like talk that like they didn't actually ask her to come back. But the problem with that for me is Rosario Dawson doesn't look 19, but she looks very young she's a because she has a very young face mm-hmm. next to adam pascal who at this point was probably like 40 it just looks so like the age gap just looks so much bigger than it's supposed to be for those characters he was born in 1970 and this was 2005 so 35 wait 35 yeah yeah 35 35 so but like it just he he looks older and yeah. mark looks older and maureen looks older and it's not like i'm not insulting the actors because they're all they're all attractive people. Although I remember, um, uh, side story, my brother had such a crush on Adina Menzel at this time because he had just seen her in Wicked. Oh. And so when, he, when Ren came out, I'm like, oh, I'm like, did you see her in, in Ren? Because, like, you know, you get to see her butt and everything. And he was like, oh, it killed it for me. He's like, her, she's so, her butt was so white and her <laughs> mouth on screen is so giant. And she's just, she's not film pretty. Which I thought was mean because I think she's pretty, but. Yeah, she's pretty. And her and Tay Diggs, like, must have probably produced very attractive children. Oh, yes. My goodness. Um, but really, I'm sorry. Do you know who I think is the, like, hottest person on screen in this movie? I, Tay Diggs? No. I think Jesse, every time Jesse L. Martin, like, he just has this, like, aura of sunniness about him. He's a good Collins. He just, he looks like, in both the show, because he, um, for the stage show that we watched, uh, him, he comes back. It's him and Tracy Toms, Tracy who's Toms, in the yeah. movie, are both in them both. And he just looks like he's having so much fun the entire time. Yeah, like, he's just he's enjoying like, being yeah. back. He's just smiling, and he has a really great smile. And she's a great Joanne. She yeah. got cast in the movie, and then they cast her in the stage production. Yeah, she, she had so apparently like kept auditioning for the stage show and never got cast. Yeah. Um, and I love her in Death Proof. She's awesome in that. She was in that? I don't remember. Yeah, she's, well, she's the, the black woman in Death Proof. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. I don't okay. remember. Yeah, she's one of the girls in the second story. She's pretty badass. Um, 
so yeah, so b- besides that, the casting issue with with the movie, they completely screw the timeline, which really bothers me every um, time I see it. It, I don't, uh, you know, I remember it, it doing that the first time I saw it, but I think there had been such a distance between when I watched this last that this time around, it didn't. What bothered you about the time? Oh, are you talking about just it being set in the 80s? No, 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 just the, the timeline. Basically, the stage show, the entire first act, which is through La Vie Boheme, takes place in one night. It's Christmas Eve. Right. And then yeah, that's right, the because second then it's act like, opens. We won't get back before it's New Year's Day. Yeah. Right. And then the second act opens, and it's... Um, well, he, and Mark even says later how, about, you know, how, um, it's in Halloween. Yeah. But I would actually, um, I'm going to disagree here because I think even in the, um, I can't remember where I first started thinking this. It might've been in the show. Cause it like, it's so much to happen. That's supposed to be so deep, but it's just one night. Whereas in the movie, like, there's a week between when, for example, when Mimi and Roger meet and a week between, like, when things start getting bad. So it's like they have this week where it's like everything is perfect. In the mo- in the show... Well, it, no, they have that in the show. Because then the second act opens with New Year's yeah. Eve. And they're like, it, I, how this week is, whoa, this week's been amazing. It's New Year's Eve. And then yeah, it skips okay. and then it skips to Valentine's Day. And that's where things start going wrong. Right. And then suddenly it's Halloween. Right. Because know. things keep getting progressively worse. I it's about think, a year. Yeah. But that wasn't a problem for me in the movie. I don't know. It bothered that, me. Like, well, because things like there's lines and songs that don't make sense if it's not the same night. Ah. Yeah, well, yeah, no, no, because they take that, like, the only place I can really think of that is with the song that's not in the um, final cut of the movie, which is, like, when Mark sings Halloween, which is all about, like, that one night, that was so great. Um, I don't know, I, it works for me just because, and uh, I think part of it is, again, I'm not as close to the show, so I'm not blatantly thinking it's different from the show. For me, it's more like the fact that everything seems to take longer gives it a little more weight because otherwise it's like, oh, God, these, you know, one day is so important to these people. Well, it was like, but it opens and Tay Diggs is all like, I need you to stop her protest tonight. Like, that's those are lines in the song. And then all of a sudden it's like the day after Christmas Day and the protest still hasn't happened. Like, why it, Why is it taking so long for them to stop this protest? And why is Mark running off to help Maureen when the protest isn't for three days? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I guess because I, I don't know, that I know the me. words and lyrics so well yeah. that I'm like, no, this happens in the same day. So why you, are you telling me that it's December 26th now? I don't understand. Where that hurts me is when they're dealing with, um, because the movie, it's not an opera. The movie takes a lot of scenes and puts it in dialogue. Which is fine when it's original dialogue. It's fine when they're at, um, you know, this isn't a, it's, I'm not really, spoiling this movie isn't that, I mean, it's like, I'm gonna spoil stuff. Like Angel's Funeral, um, when the characters are kind of giving, um, uh, memorials and they're just speaking. That's fine. Whenever characters are having conversations, it's fine. But when they're having conversations of, uh, songs that, of dialogue that was, that rhymes or that was originally, done because the show was an opera the show everything is sung so when they're taking lines that you hear in your head as being sung and they're just saying them to me that is such a stupid decision 
Because if I don't know the show, it just sounds awkward because it's dialogue that sort of rhymes that just seems stupid because it doesn't sound like how people speak. If I know the show, I'm just like, why the fuck aren't they singing it? Yeah. And it's so, it really, really hurts, I think. And I just think that was a really poor decision. If they had just, did, like, and you get the feeling, like, when they were making this, they really wanted to be respectful to the source material. And they really, I mean, that's why they cast the original cast. That's fine. But... You have to step back and think, okay, but we're doing a film, so if we change a few lines, people are going to forgive us. It's going to be okay. And they would have if they did it consistently, and it just it's kind of stupid otherwise, I think. And I think it's just a show that doesn't lend itself to filming at all. Sure. Unless, I, like... I mean, Christopher Columbus is the guy who did Home Alone. He's a kind of very mainstream filmmaker, you could have done this movie in a much more experimental style, I think. Instead, yeah. have this, like, big-budget sort of, like, Broadway musical adaptation of a show that the whole design of the show and theme of the the show was about, like, uh, art overcoming the mainstream. And then you can, you hire a really mainstream director. Yeah. Um, I just think... I I don't know. I when When I was watching the movie, I was kind of like... Like, this is a little awkward. Like, I haven't seen the stage production in a while. But then when I watched the stage production, I was like, oh, the show is so good on stage. Like, it all makes so much more sense and it all flows so much better from song to song. Like, the movie, they had to change the order of the songs because people weren't in the right place at the right time. But in the stage production, everybody's just always on stage. And Mm -hmm. you go to different, you know, the, the scenery is so iconic to that show. And, like, I know that, oh, that, like, that piece of junk over like that pile of junk is angel's christmas tree and Mm -hmm. that platform over there is where the life support meeting is and that's the door to their apartment and even though it's all in one space on the stage like it all just makes sense and you get a very clear view of where everybody is in relation to everybody else and again because they all stay on stage the whole time like roger spends the entire first act sitting on that one table regardless of whether he's in the scene or not Mm -hmm. And, like, that just lends itself so well in knowing what your characters are doing and where they're going and the timeline of events that when you're trying to film that and they're in physically different places, like, it doesn't work for me. It was very it was very jarring to watch because I was like, well, no, he's over there right now and he already <laughs> left and why is he back? And I, it didn't – it just doesn't work on well, film. Yeah, and because the film – it's <sighs> it, it's just because I think the way Columbus approaches it is – for the most part, it's like attempting to be pretty real. So then like when you have like, like I, I was watching it and then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm watching it. I'm not really enjoying it because I've never really liked the film. When they get to the Tango Maureen, which is a pretty early song, maybe about 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And they kind of do this like fantasy sequence where there's all of a sudden ballroom dancers. All of a sudden I'm like, Ooh, like that's, you know, I, that's kind of a fun choice. And it's, they don't because- do it anywhere else they don't and it's because you know the whole point of making a film version of anything be it a book or be it a stage show is that when you're doing it you are you're not adapting something you're you're kind of like you're adapting it to a different medium so the idea should be you are now using whatever your film tools are to tell the story um in this so you know it's kind of like an argument you can make against Les Mis in a way of the whole point of like oh characters singing well i could i could see that on stage like a film could have done it lip synced with beautiful scenery and big shots if they had chosen to do it that way but so with rent you have um 
it's just kind of filmed very standardly. Like it doesn't feel like it knew how to be a musical film. So then when you get moments like the Tango Maureen, where suddenly it's a fun, like a Vita sequence, you've got dancers, you've got like some cute little things going on. It's like, okay, see, that's, that's kind of how you do a musical. You, you're trying to bring this to life. You're trying to, you're not going to capture the stage experience. That's impossible to do because they're different mediums, but you're trying to bring something of the essence of here's a really fun, stylistically different song that is sort of a fantasy on stage just by nature of these two characters tangoing. Okay. In film, you have to, you have to make that bigger. So you, you know, you do a whole different dream sequence, but the film doesn't know, it doesn't get that. It can do that the whole time through. And it, yeah. it, I don't think it does it really anywhere else. Then you, cause then you get such literal, um, like what Glee does when you're doing, um, <laughs> uh, what you own. So at one point in the movie, Roger moves to Santa Fe uh, and there's a song about you're living in America and blah, blah, blah. And Roger, a uh, poor Mark is getting paid a lot of money to film like a current affairs like show. And it's the worst thing in the world because it's getting paid to sell out. Um, cause he doesn't understand what a job is. A job is you get paid to do something. But anyway, yeah. that, that's <laughs> it. Um, so for the song, what you own in the show, like the lyrics and the performances are enough to tell you what's going on in the movie. They have. Roger in San, like there's like, a Santa Fe unit. They flew Adam Pascal to Santa Fe, and I'm not kidding. I looked at the credits. There's a Santa Fe unit to stand on rocks and sing and just walk around the desert. Oh like, God! And it's so stupid. Yeah. And it's like you get the sense that they were like, oh, you know what? We we could do this here. Like, but it just ends up looking stupid. It looks like a rock video meshed in with. It's like, and there's a case where you have. It's not a fantasy. It's a literal. Um, explanation of like, he is in Santa Fe now. <laughs> he is hawking his guitar. See, there he is. It's, there he is. Him hawking his guitar. Driving a guitar. Uh, driving yeah. a car. Because yeah. he sold his guitar. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. There's other things like, I like how they handle One Song Glory, where they use it and they show flashbacks of Roger's relationship with April. Um, that works for me. That, and that's fine. But that's one of my low notes because they don't, she killed herself. Like, but I don't cool. mind it. But, 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 but I don't think it really matters that she does or doesn't. In the movie, we don't know if she does. We don't, maybe she died of AIDS. We don't know. And honestly, like, that makes no difference if you don't know the show. You know that she is gone. You know that she's dead. He says she's dead. I don't think it matters really in a different context whether or not she killed herself. I because apparently it- what they did was they filmed her in a bathtub with her wristlet. How stupid would it have that have been? I, but the line is that she left a note saying we've got AIDS before slitting a wrist of the bathroom. So if he walked into the bathroom and found a note that said we've got AIDS and then he drops it, it pans down to the floor and, and it saturates with blood. But we don't need that. I need Why that. Need- <laughs> I you need, need that because – no, you need that because you are convinced this, this should be the show on screen. I don't need that because they express that he has AIDS or he is HIV positive and his girlfriends are dead. We get that without having to have the exact same lines in the exact same cadence and format. I don't know. I But to me, like, that's part of what fucks him up and why he doesn't leave the house for a year. Because that's how he finds out. He doesn't find out she has AIDS because they went to the doctor together and the doctor sat them down and said, okay, well, she in has AIDS, so you does, need to get... Though. What? In this version, he does. I know, but I don't... It's a different choice. I don't... I, don't I know, know, but I don't like... I don't like that choice, personally. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think it's as traumatizing as walking into the bathroom and find your dead girlfriend who left you a note that says, we have AIDS. I think that's more traumatizing and would lead him to be like, I'm never leaving the house again, mm-hmm. than to, like, find out in 
I mean, it's traumatizing regardless, but to find out in a more nat, like not natural, but in a more common way and then sit there and like watch her die. Like that's kind of what it's implying to me is that he was with her when she was dying and he got to say goodbye to her and blah, blah, blah. Whereas it's a lot more traumatizing if she's just dead and, and like, that's why, and he has no closure on the subject. And Mm -hmm. it was just this huge shock that forced him to become a hermit. Okay. All right. We will, we will agree to disagree there. Okay. We do that a lot. We do. Yes, indeed. Um, let's see what else. Uh, the uh, So should we talk about like where it, or should we keep talking about what we don't like or should we talk about like where it gets good? Oh, I have one more thing I really don't like. I, I know the last point I wanted to make the because the, I wrote it down and I forgot that I wrote it down and I just read it with everything we were just talking about. It kind of like the fact that she just, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like her committing suicide kind of makes the point that in 1989, they didn't have any options when you had HIV. Like that was it. You were dead. But again, I feel like the movie, because the movie is set in 1989 and because we get a lot of, I I feel like we see AIDS and HIV much more in the movie than we do in the show. We see the support group. We see characters fading away and dying. We see, um, signs here and there. I feel like that's already really strong in the movie that they don't need to go the extra step. Okay. And I think that's actually a strength of the movie in terms of just the, like how they do as much as I think they have so many anachronisms and even like the lyrics are anachronistic a lot of times because they're referencing things that happen later in the world. Um, <laughs> but I do think the movie does kind of, especially for somebody maybe for like a younger audience member who wasn't um, alive or older, old enough in the eighties to kind of know what was going on with AIDS culture, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think the movie actually does a good job of kind of conveying what that time was like in that sense. I would say, but uh, however, I do think it's a stretch to have Maureen and Joanne how ha- get married. Oh yeah. Oh, to God, have an engagement party. Yes. Yeah, it's bad. You know, I'm sure in the 80s, um, couples were forming civil unions and or, you know, same sex couples were forming civil unions. And um, it was still like you still might have a celebration. But especially in 2005, when this movie was made, and that was that was like right kind of when gay marriage was becoming a much bigger conversation. It just felt like it was so trying so hard to connect this. 1989 technically movie to what's going on now with you know with uh homosexual marriage mm. and that, that i just think is annoying and dumb and i don't think anyone would actually have that giant fight at their engagement party well yes exactly they'd save it until they got home right and because the movie is pretty much like all the songs are kind of reality based it does you like you know that they're just doing that right there so yeah, yeah. it's a problem it is mm-hmm. um what else was a problem <laughs> um well cast wise how do you feel everybody fares i don't think that this angel is happy enough <laughs> that's what i wrote oh he, he didn't smile once during today for you today for you feels like it's trying very hard it does it's trying so yeah. hard and it's supposed to be a really fun like we're it's christmas eve and we're having a good right. time and look, song. We have this total angel but yeah, yeah, it feels like it's um, 
just again, because even like the choreography is very close to the stage show and it just feels like it's really, really trying. In general, I kind of hate the orchestrations in the movie. The songs pretty much sound exactly like the show, but they don't account for not being a stage show. And I think that what adds so much, and this might just be because I've seen it so many times and I sat really close. I feel like the, just like they, they use a lot of like metal, like metal folding chairs and those metal tables in the show. And it just like all those sounds of like, like during today for you, when Angel jumps on the table, like you hear her heels hit that metal table and you know, that actor is doing Mm -hmm. it. Like I, and with all the drumming and I just feel like there's so much, there's so much noise on yeah. in the stage production that doesn't translate to film that go, right. that adds to the music because it gives you that feeling of them living in an industrial loft and everything's very broke down and and they're very metal. poor and metal and hard and industrial and and like that was something i picked up on watching the production i was like oh like like i, I like even though i couldn't hear it so well in the stage production video that we watched because mm-hmm. it's not mic'd for that but like just watching it, like, I remembered all the sounds and, like, how much it added to the actual stage production. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they don't add that to the film at all. So it feels yeah, very, like... it has this very, like, hollow feel, I guess. Who's the comedian that they do... Um, they do a whole bit about <coughs> about playgrounds and how when they, they were kids, everything was hard and metal, and now everything's <laughs> soft and low and close to the floor, and the floor is padded, and, like, <laughs> I forget who it is, but that's what the... That's what the movie felt like. Like everything was very foam and and padded and close to the floor, mm-hmm. and the floor was padded, and everything was soft and cozy and safe. Right. It's all in a sound studio, essentially. Yeah. I mean, this movie wasn't even like they filmed like one sequence in New York. Most of this movie was filmed on a soundstage, and I mean that's how you do most musicals because of the nature of it, especially when you're dealing with a period film. Um, but it just it feels like it very. Um, I remember, like, the way Steel, uh, Roger Ebert described the movie Hook, Steven Slogan's Hook, it feels like it was, it's so backlot feeling. And that's kind of how I feel about Rent. There's so little naturalism about it. Um, and I think the orchestrations, and because, I mean, this, the sound itself, it's a very, and like a lot of Broadway shows, it's a lot of times very, like, electric synthesizer music. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they do for the movie. And it just, it feels, very like, and here's the song coming right now. And like the transitions are very, are, aren't very smooth. Um, but then you get exceptions because you get like, like, will I lose my dignity? I think works just because it's pretty much just people singing. Um, to me, the high point, that's always the high point of the show or the movie. And I'm, I, I don't know if you agree, um, would be the reprise of I'll cover you. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. And again, I'm, I'm watching the movie on my iPhone and I don't really like the movie. And still when that, as soon as those notes start, I start tearing up. And it, and then as soon as he sings, um, when your heart expires, you just start bawling. Yeah. It's just, it's a note. It's a line. It's, it's a gorgeous song. Um, and that just, uh, but that just speaks to Jonathan Larson. That doesn't speak to Christopher Columbus, unfortunately. No, no, doesn't. (laughs) <laughs> and Jesse L. Martin. Right. Cause it's, and it was the same for when I was watching the, you know, the stage production yeah. on, on DVD. It's that moment will always get you. It's, it's that heartstring tugger and it's, it's just a gorgeous moment and it, it works on screen, but not really with any help from uh, Christopher Columbus, I guess. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about Rosario Dawson? I didn't hate her. Yeah. I thought I she was her. fine. She was I good just, to be me. Yeah. I think she would have been fine in the stage production. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Who who was 
I loved the Mimi in the stage production we watched. Yeah, Renee Goldsberry. Yeah, I might have seen her in Jesus Christ Superstar, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I um, <laughs> I enjoyed her. She, I she, thought she was good. Because you know what it was? Um, in the stage show, she had, like, a really... She was very fresh-faced. And she felt young, and she felt like... She's supposed to be that, like, young energy that, like, you know, the like the life force that like Roger like doesn't want anymore and then kind of renews him. And I really did get that in her performance in the show. Yeah. She was very good in the show. Yeah. I, I actually, I didn't, um, I did I, when I, when I was looking for the stage production to watch, I ultimately ended up watching it on YouTube. Hmm. Um, and when I first turned it on, I was like, Oh, I hate this Mark Adam Cantor. And then when I watched oh. it, I was like, Oh, I actually really like him. Like, I think he did a really good job too. I, I watched the, um, there's a special feature on that DVD where they, like, talk a little bit about, like, it's just, like, them kind of hanging out. And he's really young. He was, like, 22. Um, Appropriately aged. Yeah, but what was funny was because most of the other cast in that show were, were older, because it was, like, Will Chase from Smash. Did you oh, recognize him? Oh, God, no. Yeah, that was him. Wait, uh, he who was, was he, he on was, Smash? He was, um, uh, what was the character's name? Michael Swift. Oh. Was, uh, Joe DiMaggio, the one who's having an affair with, um, oh with uh, Deborah Messing. Yeah, yeah, that was him. He aged so much in the past five years. I guess this so, was 2008. Yeah. He looks young. On yeah, but he looked old to me. I don't know. I thought he looked old and right. I don't know. I did not like his. Especially once I found out the other, because the other got Mark. I thought like I'm like Mark looks much younger, and then I found out Mark is like 22. I'm like, yeah, there is a difference. Well, I I did not like Will Chase's Roger at all. I didn't either. I, um, yeah, no. But that, uh, that's because I love Manly Pope, so. Right, 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 me too. Uh, Eden is, fun fact about Eden Espinoza, who played Maureen. Mm-hmm. Eden Espinoza has played three roles originated by Adina Menzel. Really? Yeah, she did this. She took over Maureen at one point. She took over, she was, I think, the first replacement of Wicked. And I forget what the other one was. It might have been, um, uh, Aida, maybe? I don't know. But so, like, she just, like, her, and she looks, to me, she looks so much like Adina Mendes. Dark hair, giant mouth, and sounds a lot like her. And it's just kind of, like, if I were Adina Menzel, I'd be so freaked out by that. <laughs> How did you feel about her over the moon? I just, I, I don't remember. I think I just felt like I was watching um, Adina Menzel. <laughs> I don't, I didn't love her over the moon. Yeah. I just don't, I didn't remember it. I didn't write anything down. But my, like, I don't, I don't know who played Maureen when I, like, with my cast with Manly mm. Pope and Trey Elliott. I don't, I don't remember who she was, but she was blonde, so, so it always throws oh, me. I wonder if I saw it the same time you did, because yeah. I remember a blonde Maureen, too. She had, like, sh- like a little bit higher than her shoulders, curly blonde hair. Yeah, that's kind of what I yeah. remember. Yeah, I liked her. I liked her a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who she was, but she was really good. And, like, her over the moon is my over the moon. So whenever I see someone else do it, I'm like, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And apparently that was the only song, I think, that was sung live in the film. Uh, Dina Menzel just recorded that one, like, on like live for the filming. That wasn't listening. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, whereas everything else was. Because that one's so based on mm-hmm. yeah. her being out of breath. Like, Yeah. Um, I love Dina Menzel. I I would like to see her in more musical films just because I love her voice and I think she's fun. She's a Long Island girl. So I'll always, I'll always uh, appreciate her on film. Yeah. Um, any other performances you want to talk about? Um, I guess not. I really, I love Jesse L. Martin. I think he's, I think he loves rent. Yeah. Like you just get the feeling and you see it too in the, um, 
Because the end of the production, the stage production we watched, the very end of it, everybody comes out on stage to do Seasons of Love, and it includes a lot of the original cast is there. And so he's there anyway because he's in the show. And just, like, the look on his face, he just looks, like, really happy and, like, this was really important to him. Um, And he's somebody, like, again, I I wish he would perform, like, sing more in things. (laughs) Uh, It's just, it's such a shame when, like, you have actors who are so musically talented, but they become like TV actors and film actors. And it's like, and then you see them on the Tonys do something and it reminds you how talented this person is. Um, so yeah, I would love to see Jesse L. Martin sing more. Um, did you, did you prefer one Tracy Tom's performance to the other? <laughs> Ooh, I don't, I don't know. I think I preferred her stage performance. Possibly. I think it was a little less like haughty. I feel like her, mm-hmm. her film performance is a little, like, she feels a little stuck up and she's not supposed to. Right. And, like, she's kind of, like, always feels, um, uh, like, not fitting in, kind of. And in the movie, yeah. it's kind of, um, I guess, what would you say, uh, emphasized just because she always looks very different from everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't have, like, tramp stamps. She's not colorful. Right. Her wardrobe is, like, Suspended. black and white, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And taupe. Taupe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know it's if I have anything. Um, I actually liked, and I wonder if you disagree. I liked how the film did without you. Um, which is a song that I usually always skip when I was listening to it. Cause it's kind of a slow, boring song, but it's, it's kind of like how they use to show Mimi doing more drugs. And it also kind of transitions into people dying. It, it that's how they deal with angel's death. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, like that transitions into like they do a thing where they show like the eight support group and you see like characters just fading out and you, you know, get the sense that they have passed away. Um, and I thought, I don't know, that was effective. And that was like an example to me of how, how to use film to convey something that a musical you know, a stage show couldn't. Um, so I liked that. Uh, I did have a problem with the finale, the whole idea of like Mimi's been living on the street for weeks she's dying and you look at her and she's still she's fucking gorgeous. Rosario Dawson. <laughs> yep. She's a little pale. Oh no, she's okay. Like, um, I don't have a problem with, without you, but I mean, they, they essentially use it to show angel dying in the stage show too, because they're there. There's just the three tables and they're switching back and forth between the right. tables and sure. Collins is just picking him up and he's getting weak and you can see that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, that was fine. They made some, there was some like odd, just character choices, like angel, so identifies herself with being, well, actually this was a question I had. Mm, How does yep. Angel identify herself? Is she a drag queen or is she trans? Because I don't Mark think they know. Yeah. Refers to her as a drag queen, but I feel like she, in the stage production, I feel like she very much identifies as Angel Dumont Chouinard, like as when she shows up for no, for today for you. Like, mm. I feel like that's who she identifies herself as not as the little boy who's dressed like a boy who meets Right. And then in the movie, you have, like, characters referring to her as she. Mark corrects himself or refers to her as she, but then Collins refers to her as a he, so. And in the movie, when Angel shows up to life support, she takes her wig off, which bothered me. Yeah, because it feels like she's taking it off like she's hiding something. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense, because if, like, that's your identity, that's when you're not hiding something. Um, Yeah, I don't think anyone really understood (laughs) Um, I feel like that's something that if they were to like do the show again, if they were to revive the show, like that might be established a little better. And I feel like this, I was trying to think about how, like if they revive the show, like what, 
and I think like I think it could be updated to take place now and still be effective. Yeah, I would agree because especially with like whoa, well, if it took place nowadays, then we could actually have them have an engagement party that they have a fight exactly. at. Yeah. But I think it could update fairly well. Um, They'd have to move it to Brooklyn. Yeah. But it's in like, Bushwick. It would have to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. They'd all be hipsters. I just really want them to update the wardrobe because the wardrobe drives me crazy. It does get bad. It's so uh, One other thing about the... And if people out there are curious what to check out, I would definitely rent the um, stage show production. Yeah, I would just because, it, yeah, it's your chance to see the Broadway production with a couple of original cast members. Um, and so, it, you know, it's definitely worth watching. The one thing I really hated about it, though, was the camera work got very annoying. It did. And literal, like, when they when they come in and they're, like, throwing groceries, the camera's, like, literally, like, zooming in on every item and, like, following it as it gets thrown. But even worse than that, during Levy Bohem, it, the camera gets very literal. So, like, when there's a line about, like, three-piece suits, the camera, like, zooms in on a man in a suit. <laughs> and this is the stage version. Like, all you need to do in stage version is put the camera down and walk away, and you're recording it. Yeah. So. The only thing I did like about the camera work was during, um, which is my favorite, actual, it's my actual favorite moment in the stage production is the big market scene right before Maureen's performance. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the oh, name yeah. of the song, but it's that's like Christmas like, Day or something. Yeah, the song's called. That's like my favorite part because there's just so many people singing different parts. And I do like that. They like, I do like the camera work during that. Her, you won't miss me. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. And I, one of my favorite lines, Mark sings, because they're like they like introduce like Mimi and Roger show up and they're telling her Mimi who Maureen is and Mark is like but I am over and it's just a really good <laughs> line but I like that it like picks up on different conversations that are happening yeah. because when you're look like during the stage show you can't tell what the fuck is going on you can't you can't really pick out any one person's line yeah. but by focusing in on each person you were able to read their lips and be like mm-hmm. oh okay this is what this is Good their point. part that they're seeing and that I did like although they didn't do for everyone so you still miss some other lines but I liked that part Good point. The, yeah. the camera work in the stage production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it has like, a couple of special features too which is worth checking out. Um yeah, I didn't get the duty so I didn't see those but but yes, rent that. Rent rent mm-hmm. Rent, rent, rent. Rent that over the movie. Um, I had the movie on DVD that I got, like, used at Blockbuster. And I really, my goal was to watch it with commentary because I wanted to hear what Christopher Columbus had to say. And then I went to put the DVD in and it was broke. It scra- was scratched and wouldn't play. Aww. So then I tried getting it from the library. And I was, like, two holds on ten copies. And I didn't get it in time, so I had to just watch it on Amazon. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. you can borrow my DVD if you want to watch it with the commentary. I'm okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> the movie just feels very long too. That was the other thing. It does. Movies about, and it's, I mean, it's, it's not a short movie. It's like two fifteen, two hours, 15 minutes or so. But it feels like two hours and 15 minutes. And it minutes. feels that long. Yeah. Like, I watched it in two parts and it, you know, still. The show moves faster because everything's singing. I think it was the talking yeah. that slowed down the movie a lot. And for me, I got to the like big finale scene where I know it's the end because it's, you know, Christmas Day a year later, and I had like, and I checked my phone to see how much time was left, and it was like 18 minutes. I'm like, yeah. God, seriously? Well, because Roger has to sing that stupid song that I hate. Mm. Your eyes, I hate uh, that song. As we said, our good and like that's the masterpiece. Yeah, so that's, that's the thing. The, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To bring it around, because I, I think we're we're in the finishing up phase. Yeah. To bring it around to what we said at the beginning and how like you know, as you're older, this movie becomes really hard to watch because you just start thinking like just these like artists or like just get a job. Okay. It, this guy, like it wasn't about him producing an album 
Or like he's Roger knows like he's HIV positive in 1989. You know, he doesn't have that much time left. So like he really wants to, you know, leave something behind. He writes one fucking song, not like an album, not even (laughs) like two songs, one fucking minute and a half song. That's not good at all. And he's accomplished something. He wants his one song glory. Should we talk about Mark? Mark's accomplishment in one year is to basically edit together a home video of his friends. <laughs> Way more important than, than getting paid 3000 bucks a pop to film something for a TV show called Scandal. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Sarah Silverman has a, a small role, too. So. Is it Scandal in the movie? Because it's Buzz Line in the play. Oh, it's, it's Buzz Line. Okay. <laughs> I'm calling it Scandal. I was like, that's a show on ABC um, <laughs> or NBC. I don't know. I wanted that to be us our, um, our Sarah Silverman cameo. Yeah. And she's cute in it, too. I like her. Yeah, she is. I don't know why she was there. but uh, no. Right. There's no point in putting her in that role. It's not like no. she – like it would have been like cutesy if it was like someone who's actually on one of those shows, but it's not. Yeah, no. It's just her. Weird. Um, all right. Anyway. That's rent. Right, that's rent. Um, yeah, very complicated relationships we have with it. Yes, but we got to talk about it, so that's we did. Fun. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so this comes out on, <coughs> excuse me, October fifteenth. Um, we're doing. We're normally our next episode would be November first, but we're going to have a special release for Halloween. Mm-hmm. We're going to release our next episode on October thirty first. Mm-hmm. Um, and Emily, do you want to? It's your pick, so do you want to tell us pick. what our, our special? Halloween episode is? Well, we had to do something horror related because it is the season of horror. I mean, it is kind of every day for me, but um, this being October, I wanted to do a musical and wanted to be kind to everybody and give you something on instant watch because then we can all play along at home. Uh, And that would be released by the Troma Studio, uh, 1996's Cannibal! The Musical. Yes. So directed and starring Trey Parker. Yes. We will uh, have an interesting discussion. Indeed, we shall. So we'll be back with that pretty soon in a couple of weeks. Yep. So look for that on October 31st. Make sure you watch the movie before then so you can play along at home. Um, I, I mean, we haven't been doing feedback because we've been having a weird recording schedule. But yeah. if you would like to talk about it, head over to our Facebook page mm-hmm. to talk about it. Place to do it. Um, you could search for GleeCast on Facebook and you will find it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll talk to you then. No day but today, Erica. No day but today. No day but today. Bye.